Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot. Scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. This uh, episode, we are in Finland, in Helsinki, at the Cooper Partner Event. Uh, and I am delighted to have with me Jacopo Carreras, who's the CEO of Think Inside. Uh, Jacopo, thanks very much for spending some time with us. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, we've spent quite a bit of time together, haven't we? Uh, we, have, uh, we have a joint customer that's in common. I was a consultant uh, for a um, Japanese car parts manufacturer, we were looking at RTLS uh, solutions and uh, you guys were one of, I think, a dozen companies that bid and won so, and have done an amazing job. So uh, let's, let's explain a bit about uh, your business uh, and what you do and then we can, we'll, we'll be talking about uh, maybe a little bit about the manufacturing side, but I think retail is probably the theme for the day. So, so, so what does Think Inside do? Yeah, so um, ThinkInside is, is specialized in, let me say, location intelligence, which in other words means um, creating value out of uh, location data streams. So we work with uh, various and different RTLS technologies, although actually we have been specializing with Coupa. That's also one of the reasons why we're here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and our solution takes uh, an RTLS data stream uh, and then it transforms this into, into knowledge on what is actually happening in a given physical space. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you mentioned retail as an example. So in, in the retail sector, okay. uh, our solution is about understanding customers' behavior. We track how the shopping carts and baskets are moving. We analyze all this data with our platform and we transform this into knowledge on you know, what people do, where they shop, where they don't shop, uh, where they stop, for how long. And there's a number of BI tools that we use to deliver value out of this of these data streams. Okay, um, so just explain to me a bit about the demarcation between what Cooper does yeah. and what Think Inside does, because we've had Cooper on before, and we know sure. they do angle of arrival, and it's uh, uh, very accurate and uh, very good for real time. What? Where does that pl- their platform stop and where does yours start? Yeah, so Coupa, also in the way they, they used to present themselves, they provide uh, a, a dot on the map, a very good dot on the map, but that's actually where Coupa stops. Mm-hmm. So there's no, uh, there's no data being stored by Coupa, there's no data being processed, there's no semantic on that given dot on the map. It's just an XY coordinate uh, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So we take it from there, we 
provide a semantic to this dot. It's a cart or it's like an asset in a, in a manufacturing plant. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we process this tag and this information from one asset, from many different assets. And then uh, with our tools and technology, we extract knowledge and value out of this data. Right. And so we, we take a lot of a massive number of data points from, from Coupa uh, and we make sense of that. This is actually what we do and what we are specialized in. Okay. Um, so what they're doing is essentially horizontal and what you're doing is quite vertically orientated. I'm sure there's some components yeah, yeah, that you yeah. can reuse across. Right. right. And let's tweeze that apart. So, so, what are the, so you do work in manufacturing um, and you do work in retail. What are the things that are common to those verticals? Right. This is, this is a very good question. And, you know, so, sometimes it creates confusion because, you know, we're working in different sectors. But, you know, historically, we started from, from retail. That actually where is, is where we have been building our technology. And, and retail is pretty much the case I was describing before. It's about customer's behavior and it's about analyzing what, what shoppers do in a physical and a grocery store. Uh, by, by chance, actually, we ended up in, in a given opportunity in, uh, in a manufacturing uh, industry. Uh, and, and while, while uh, working on that opportunity, we realized that the underlying infrastructure, which is the platform that is processing all this data in big volumes and providing a number of services, is pretty much the same. So, of course, what is changing is the application that is running on top of it, mm -hmm. which means that the application that is consuming the data that is being processed and is associating a given semantic and interpretation to that given data. But the, the underlying core engine is pretty much shared across these different verticals. And this is also the, the reason how we actually are addressing different markets and different market needs. The platform is pretty much shared. This is probably the, 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 the key IPR of our company, where we have been investing a lot of work and a lot of efforts. It's a, it's a, it's a big data platform that uh, uh, it's receiving large volumes of location data streams. It provides a number of tools and services for uh, associating a semantic uh, on this data. It provides a number of, of techniques and algorithms to kind of segment this data, uh, different tracking strategy, strategies and, and many different things. Eventually, it provides uh, a rich set of APIs through which applications can pull the data uh, and visualize the data and give specific interpretation to this data. So what are some uh, examples of the functionality that you offer to both of those um, uh, application areas that is beyond what is offered by, uh, by Cooper? So um, I'm thinking, you know, on one hand, you're tracking uh, shopping carts, uh, uh, on, and the other hand, you're tracking pallets. What what are some of the things that you would want to do that are the same for a shopping cart and a and a pallet? Well, so there's, there's a number of real-time services that are kind of shared. To make an example, uh, you want to know uh, how many people are shopping in the store, or mm -hmm. how many people are waiting at the checkout areas, mm -hmm. or how many people are waiting at the serve area uh, on the retail space. If you move to a smart manufacturing plant, you want to know how many pallets are waiting in a given deposit or how many trolleys are being queuing up uh, on front of a high temperature oven. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a number of real-time services that are kind of shared and it's mostly about uh, you know, interacting real-time visualization of you know, a status of the system. Uh, you can have different asset types and many different visualizations that you can actually embed and, and create, mm -hmm. one thing. 
Um, another thing is, is really about analytics. Um, if it's about uh, the retail case, uh, you know, it's about measuring the dual time of customers in the store in the different areas and, you know, making sense of this. Of course, there's a number of things that uh, are specific to the retail. So you want to know and analyze the sequence according to which you go across these different areas. And you want to measure how much time are you spending in one area compared to another. And then you might also have some sort of hierarchical organization of areas. This is pretty much specific to retail, but if you look at from the location analytics point of view, it's about uh, different ways of, of handling dwell time mm -hmm. in the store. If you shift this on the smart manufacturing, it's again, how much time does a given trolley takes for moving from production phase one to production phase two, and how long is basically waiting before it gets into the, the following phase and how much is waiting in this given deposit. Also there, there's a lot of value on, you know, analyzing, you know, dwell time. Dwell time is, is, a, key, is a key element on, on our platform. So as you can see, there's, there's many things that are kind of shared, at yeah. least at the core level, but then, of course, bring to a different semantic and a different interpretation and use when you move it to a, the application one. Got it. Last question about manufacturing, and then we'll focus on retail, uh, as I promised. Um, so with what is the ROI for a manufacturer in putting the, your, your system in place? How do they justify it to their CFO? This is, this is, a, this is a very good question. It's typically the most recurring question. And, and, and I guess you also have uh, some ideas since you also helped NGK in building this ROI. But uh, there's, there's many different variables depending on use case. So if it's, if it's like the specific project that we have been working together in, that's mainly labor cost. So in that given client, actually they ended up in an in a industrial plant that was not designed to handle this, this kind of uh, production load. And this ended up in uh, these thousands of pallets being uh, de deployed anywhere in the industrial plant with uh, a lot of effort in just searching uh, pallets uh, uh, and this was a problem to the point that there was one person, uh, at least two persons, dedicated just to this 24-7 every single day of the year. So in that case, the possibility to simply uh, save this labor cost actually was, was good enough to justify an ROI over three years. And then the interesting thing, and this is something kind of shared across many different projects, is the fact that once you realize you have an infrastructure there and you realize that uh, your, your minimum ROI is being met in a way, then you also realize that there are so many other things you can actually do on top of that single infrastructure. So, uh, so you start tracking pallets, but then you realize, okay, but then I can also track forklifts and then maybe I can improve safety. And then I can also track uh, unmanaged vehicles moving around. And then so I can save time when I need to find them for, for doing maintenance. So, the, the thing is that you start with an idea of an ROI over three years, then you realize that when you sum up the many different things that come to your mind while running the project, probably what used to be three years, then it's kind of reduced to maybe a year and a half yeah. or even less. And I think it's fascinating. Some of these concepts we associate with outdoor um, location services like geofencing have applications in a, in a manufacturing plant. Absolutely. Can you, uh, I'm going to ask more questions about manufacturing. Why would you want a geofence in a factory? Well, there's, there's many different reasons. Um, the thing is that manufacturing processes are pretty complex and, uh, and you need to make sure that things happen in the way they are designed to happen. And, and many times, since there's a, there's a lot of labor, uh, manual labor involved, this is always not met. 
So to make an example in this specific case, uh, actually they have some semi-finished goods that are moving from, from one phase to, to a second phase and they cannot go back because if they, uh, if they go back, these, these goods are being contaminated and they need to be thrown away. And the thing is that these specific products, it takes quite some time actually to, to go from one phase to another and mm -hmm. to another and to another, which means that if you throw away a product which actually is at the very end of the process, you have been throwing away something like weeks of, mm -hmm. of work. And, and this is a problem. It's a problem because there's, there's time wasted, there's product wasted, and maybe you're actually dealing an order that uh, you're not able to deliver. Mm -hmm. And so it's a problem. So what you can do in this case, of course, is you have, you have location, you have uh, your truck and pallets, and you can know and, and alert if a pallet is basically going in the wrong direction and is basically going into uh, a contamination area. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, uh, then you can easily raise an alarm and just you know, make sure that it gets blocked beforehand. This is a simple example, but there's many others that you can think of uh, simply like, another example is like workers, maybe uh, working in a, in a dangerous zone. Maybe you wanna make sure that uh, uh, they do not stay more than 20 minutes in that given zone mm -hmm. uh, before leaving. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you know, the worker is there for more than 20 minutes, you raise an alarm. Yeah. The thing is that everything is something that in a way you can manage somehow, maybe with a lot of attention, a lot of procedures. The point is that when it comes to humans, uh, you know, you have to do a given task, you have to do it on time, and many times you just don't care, you just do it, and you realize afterwards that you have gone through uh, a serious risk. Having a system that actually supports you and provides you all the necessary services and tools for making this automatic in a way, is what you know geofencing and you know location awareness and location-based services is about and i believe this is a really a great value for manufacturing companies that can really help them to save a lot of money provide a better place to work for workers uh, and improve a lot of efficiency and, and many other things happening there yeah i remember hearing about a use case from one of the company big companies that makes fizzy drinks uh, and uh, who would have thought it, but they actually have dangerous chemicals involved yeah. in this. And so there was an issue with uh, wanting to make sure that only people that had been trained sure. could be at a certain station, and so they could put a geofence and say, oh, uh, Jesse can work there, but Fred can't, and I want to know if Fred goes into an area yeah. that they're not and This reminds me into. also about another use case that we have been working on, in. This was like a large uh, food manufacturing company, and mm -hmm. they were also working with chemicals. Um, their major concern was to properly handle the, uh, some emergency situation that might happen in the industrial plant, which means if something happens, I want to know in real time where are the workers, how mm -hmm. many of them are still in the industrial plant, and if that's the case, where they are. Mm -hmm. So they really want to have a way to uh, better support emergency situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course, this has many implications. Of course, you can really save lives. This is the first thing. If you do things right, you can also have benefits in terms of insurance costs. You can reduce basically your liability and many different things. So there's many different things involved in this uh, and many different benefits. First of all, you save lives of mm -hmm. people. Uh, that's the, the key one. Uh, and from the financial standpoint, you can also you know, get better conditions and, yeah, and kind of, yeah, uh, it's so, yeah, that's okay. That's <laughs> Let's try and keep our promises. Let's talk about retail. <laughs> okay. What, um, first of all, just the, the nuts and bolts of it, um, what are you actually tracking in a retail store? You have these Cooper locators. 
are you sticking tags on people as they come through the door, or what's the? No, no, that's that's not the case. It's, it's a bit too much, though. So no, our basically uh, gateway to to the people are the shopping carts and baskets. Okay. So this is actually what we're tracking. So we place some small tags on the shopping carts and baskets in a grocery store. Uh, and uh, with the Coupa locators and Coupa technology, we are able to fully reconstruct the shopping journey of customers. Mm -hmm. um, the accuracy of Coupa is, is it's pretty, it's pretty good. So we are in the order of half a meter in a, in a real setting, in a, even large deployments. So it's like perfect because in a grocery store, of course, the important thing is to distinguish whether you are in a given L or another. Mm -hmm. And that's the key point for getting some value out of those kind of uh, settings. Some of these aisles can be big. Are you being asked what side of the aisle someone's on? Because that could make a difference. On one side, you might have spaghetti, and on the other True. side, you could have uh, bread, you know. Uh, yeah, there's, there's really a lot of analysis you can actually do on this, especially because given the accuracy of the data we get, we're also able to link when, of course, data is available, we're also able to link the shopping journey of customers with sales data, which means that we know where the customer was, we know what the customer was buying, and even more importantly, we know what the customer was not buying. So nowadays, Yeah, so they dwelled in spaghetti and then they didn't buy any. Yeah, that is useful information. This though. is useful and it's completely unknown information yeah. to, to retailer. As of today, the best they can do is to analyze sales. But sales is just about what people are buying, but there's no clue and no information about what people are not buying inside the supermarket. Well, um, one kind of uh, not a technical question, but it's a fundamental question is, are retailers ready to use this information? I mean, you can provide some amazing insights, but um, you know, if this guy's just uh, trying to focus on making sure that enough people have turned up for their shift, then maybe yeah. he's not going to be able to use it. And that's a, that's a problem in terms of getting the value that justifies yeah. the investment. So this is, this is a very good question. The, there's, no, there's no straight answer, meaning that there's, there's a few pioneers in the space that are really experimenting and truly experimenting. So what they're trying to do is really you know, to kind of bring the online concepts into the physical world. Um, some of them are even you know, implementing you know, A-B testing with different stores, compare one with the other, and pretty, pretty advanced. Um, in general, the feeling that I have, you know, we have been you know, fighting in this area for quite a few years now. Um, the perception that I have is that actually it's, it's getting mature. It's not yet mature, but it's getting mature. So there's more and more interest in this kind of technology. There's a lot of pressure from the market. It's not just about the online. There's also you know, big players investing a lot of money in technology. And, uh, and you know, those kind of big supermarkets that, that kind of are, you know, doing the same, are doing the same thing for, you know, have been doing the same thing for, for many different years in, in the, pretty much in the same way, are now feeling a lot of pressure. So uh, they need to invest in technology. They need to start changing. They need really to introduce a new way of running their business. Uh, we have all seen, you know, the, you know, the Amazon Go store, you know, a very innovative and futuristic concept on how, you know, shopping might look like in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe there's still some time before this really gets into like large supermarkets, but, you know, it will come. And, uh, and you know, big, big players also start to feel this and start to feel that they need to, to change and to do something. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So can you elaborate on what's the role of the people that are using the information that you're providing? And what are some of the insights that you're providing to those people? I mean, you've got well, I'll, I'll let you flesh out who's who in the retail uh, world. Yeah, yeah. So in general, you know, we, we're kind of really modeling in depth the funnel. So, you know, in a given store, you know how many people are getting in. You know, uh, let, let's take in as, as an example a specific ale, you know, that is f- of interest for that given, given store because maybe it's not performing well. For that so given you've got an aisle, aisle where it's just for some reason the sales are not good. In right, aisle. right. So okay. for that given aisle, what we say is like you, you, we, we model the funnel. So we know how many people are getting into the aisle how many of them are being engaged, meaning mm-hmm. you know, stopping there for more than 15 to 20 seconds, not just going straight, mm-hmm. uh, how many of them are buying. Mm. And depending on where the funnel you know, goes, goes down, you can decide to, to plan specific interventions for that given ale. If it's about traffic, people not getting there. So you really need to make sure that the layout is designed in a way that the flows of people eventually reach that given spot mm-hmm. of the store. And so you, you might think of reorganizing the overall layout of the store, at least part of it. Mm-hmm. If it's about engagement, then you, you might think of maybe adding some promos there. You really need to, to slow down the traffic in that given ale. And you can do this with promos, maybe uh, putting some very interesting products, maybe some interesting brands, maybe some interesting brands at the beginning of the ale. There are many things that you know, people specialize in merchandising can think of or slowing down uh, the traffic there. And if it's about sales, so people are getting there, they are stopping, but they are not buying, probably the products of that given category are not the one that that specific target is is interested in. And this could be, as an example, a problem of the demographics. Maybe the the store, the the shoppers for that given stores are mostly students, and maybe the products that you're displaying in that given ale is a bit too high-end for that given you know, specific social demographic segments. So you might want to think to sell maybe still pasta, but of a different brand, a cheaper brand or, or something like this. And depending on how the funnel is kind of evolving in that given ale, you can plan specific interventions. And then, of course, if you really want to do things right, it's, it's really about, you know, implementing the intervention, measuring the effect exactly in the same way you do the online, and then, you know, keep on improving and improving. Yeah, we talk a bit about this in the Beacon Technologies book, but um, I just love what you've described because it's really taking the concepts that have been made possible in the online world, the funnel and, uh, and looking at click path, and you're just mapping it onto the physical world, and you're really doing it. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly the objective. Uh, it's the objective of our technology, our solution, uh, we still need to work hard to mm-hmm. you know, sell, send this message across to retailers because this is something they can really do. It's not something that uh, you know, they can think of. This is something that nowadays, if they want to do it, they can actually do it. So um, 
let's wrap up and, and come back to the question that I asked about manufacturing will apply it to retail. Where is the ROI? You've described some of the, the opportunities and advantages and tools that you can yeah. give. Where are you seeing the biggest payback? So um, <clears throat> I think also here applies the same concept that I was describing before, meaning that uh, you know, once you have the infrastructure there, the number of in-store services that you can deliver are kind of endless. So to me, the, the great promise of ROI in, in retail is if you really think in large on the, how the many different things you can actually do with this kind of infrastructure and technologies. So we have been talking about uh, uh, ROI in terms of you know, category management, in terms of uh, products placement, but this is just one single service of what you could potentially do. Uh, if you think about asset optimization, so I'm, I'm, I can help retailers in uh, identifying the optimal number of shopping carts and baskets. Mm -hmm. Even this simple use case actually can have a major impact in mm -hmm. terms of ROI. You can just uh, you know, move, I don't know, 20% of your baskets or carts in a different store because no one is using them, they're just enough. Or you can uh, simply think of uh, you know, just replacing those shopping baskets because they're the most used asset, but they are too small for, for your store. And simply replacing you know, uh, baskets and with bigger ones might provide already a lot of value for a store. So the thing is that even simple things, but based on data, because this is actually the, the main difference. You know, retailers usually have store managers that have uh, very uh, important intuitions. But the thing is that if you see things on data, uh, this makes a difference. So coming back to this example of the, of the basket, actually, it's a real case. So there was a store, uh, and of course, there was like the intuition that people were using more baskets than cars. But with data, you actually demonstrated that, you know, 75% of the people were using more baskets than data. So it's, it's not just more baskets, it's almost all the people are using a basket. And the basket was very small. <laughs> By simply replacing the basket with a bigger one, actually this led to uh, some, some interesting ROI on that. That's really pretty funny because they, retailers describe you know, how much you buy as basket size and the problem with getting the basket size bigger was the, the basket, <laughs> basket was too small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The physical exactly. basket was too small. Okay, so but you can is, lift sales. That's, yeah, that's good. Uh, but there are other, many other services. You know, exploiting the, the Coupa infrastructure is based on Bluetooth. So, of course, there's any kind of service you can deliver on a smartphone that can be location-based. So it's, mm -hmm. about, uh, it's about wayfinding. It's about shopping list. It's about, of course, proximity marketing. But in this case, it gets really personalized. I can really send you a message because you're for 20 seconds in front of the pasta. And that's where I'm going to trigger an interaction. So it's very personalized and very contextualized. And mm. in a similar way, I can think of many different operational services for the store. We know that planograms actually get pretty rapidly uh, outdated in terms of where the products are. Uh, by integrating locations in, you know, uh, in the many different operations happening in the store, I can help you to keep the planogram updated. So the planogram is the, the map that the merchandiser right. uses to specify. It's not the store manager's decision necessarily uh, to where they're going to put Cheerios versus right. Fruit Loops. Uh, it, it'll be in the planogram. Yeah, exactly. Planogram and, is, and, is and that could be developed by someone in headquarters. Usually that's the case, but usually it's also the case that, you know, after some time, you know, there's, there's a misalignment on, on how the, 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 the store is truly organized in terms okay. of products placement and, and what used to be at the very beginning. And so how can you help solve that problem? Because as an example, there's a number of operations in terms of refill that are done on a daily basis. And when you, ref you do this kind of operation, you have a scanning device that you scan a product, 
you see how many of these products are available in stock, and then in case you do a reordering. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if this operation is annotated with location, you know that that given product ah. is that in that given spot. So you put a, a tag on the, on the barcode reader? You put a tag, or now modern barcode readers are Android devices, and you can think of really integrating oh. that given device. So they could just broadcast the Cooper yeah, exactly. payload, and uh, right. you know where it is? Yeah. Very cool. Um, so one more thing that just occurs to me. Um, so you're working with some extremely large retailers who are very sophisticated. Um, they're not new on the block. They've looked at all the other technologies that are out there. Why uh, Bluetooth angle of arrival versus um, you know, machine vision? You've got these security cameras. They can produce heat maps and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. What's the... So, well, what's the advantage of Bluetooth? The advantage of Bluetooth is, well, we know the precision, half a meter and less, uh, even over big areas. Uh, it's real time, so you can actually get this data with, uh, with, in real time, in, in a, with, you know, one second latency. Uh, this actually is kind of, you know, different from, from video and this kind of things. Uh, it's Bluetooth, meaning that, you know, you can track assets, but you can track smartphones and you can think of, you know, in, in, in the future also to create interactive services over smartphones. So it doesn't, this is, is, is a very rich technology that provides a number of features that it's allows you to really uh, expand from analytics to uh, location-based services to customers and, and to many different things. Mm. So in a way, for, for grocery stores, I believe it's, it's really the optimal one, meaning that uh, it's, it's the one that provides all you need now and probably also in the, in the, in the future. Yeah, you, you were talking earlier about linking uh, point-of-sale data yeah. with a specific cart. So you, you're really able to tie those things closely yeah, together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's a big deal. If you're doing that integration, then that shows that the retailer has got some belief in this because it's typically a nightmare to integrate yeah. with the yeah. point-of-sale system. And that's yeah, it's a lot good. of work for you guys, too. No, it's, uh, it's correct. Uh, it's, a, it's a nightmare, and typically are, it's not information that they share so freely. Uh, at the same time, that's actually when you, you, you truly get, you know, most of the value out of the system because then you really map very precisely the complete shopping journey of a customer. You know exactly everything on, 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 on the customer, where it was, uh, you know, where stopping, what buying, what not buying. That's actually when you get most of the value. Otherwise, of course, you have to do data sources, uh, you know, sales and, and food traffic. They don't talk to each other. And, of course, you get some value from both. But, you know, summing up, it's, it's not the sum of the shoe. It's more than that. Well, the thing I love about the approach you're taking is you, unlike trying to get people to download an app, you, you catch almost everyone that's shopping in the store. Yeah. Uh, most people either have the, bar, the cart or the basket. Sure. And uh, that's always been the thing that's, you know, we yeah. have to have this act of faith. Yeah, of course, they're going to download the app, and then they never do. <laughs> yeah. and, that's a, that's a very good point. That's also one of the reasons why we believe this technology is very useful, meaning that you know, even after one week, you already have thousands of, of, of shopping journeys of customers. Already after one week, you have a lot of evidence on what is actually happening there. Because, I mean, in a, in a supermarket of at least 2,000 square meters, everyone is using either a cart or a basket for shopping. There's just a small portion that are you know, maybe buying you know, bread and maybe just a few things and just live. But those not, are not really the ones that you know, they are targeting in, a way in, in this kind of analysis. And so this is a very good point because from day zero, you start to collect plenty of information. So how many beacons do you need to cover a, a big grocery store then uh, you know, so for to, all those cars? Yeah, it's, 
it's not too many. So, of course, you know, it's angle of arrival, so there's a bit of variables including the height of the ceiling. But mm -hmm. to give you an idea, so if we take like, a, you know, a medium-sized supermarket in Europe, like 2,500 square meters, maybe 3,000, then you'll need something like 20, 25 antenna to get it all. Okay. And then, of course, you have one tag for every single cart and trolley, so it might be, you know, three, 400 of them. Okay, so that's, that's pretty modest. And what about batteries and uh, I mean that's I know with our manufacturing customer that was a major concern yeah, yeah. and tell, tell us uh, give us a little bit of insight about how you solve the battery life problem so um, nowadays there's, there's a lot of, of, of things happening in the Bluetooth low energy and, uh, and there's a lot of advancements especially also on the chipsets of radio with the U Nordic and so on so now it's, it's even uh, very small tags actually can reach, can easily reach like a lifetime of, of three to four years. Mm -hmm. And this is pretty much acceptable for like a retailer. So for a retailer, usually the, the minimum they actually are looking for is like three years. That's kind of, you know, the time range for also planning maintenance operations. And mm -hmm. be, below that kind of threshold might look a little bit too much mm -hmm. in terms of investments. Three years is okay, and three years actually is acceptable and, and reachable with you know today's Bluetooth low energy tags, especially the ones like in Coupa. You have an accelerometer, so if the cart is not moving, the tag goes to sleep, and you can define many different strategies in order to properly preserve preserve uh, the battery. And in general, you can you can always think of embedding a tag in the handle of the of the cart. In that case you have plenty of space and if you think of using alkaline batteries then you can easily reach five to six years without mm -hmm. problems. Very cool. So we've covered a lot. We've uh, talked about ROI strategy and different markets and, uh, and, and technology. It's been fascinating. Jacopo, thanks very much. Thank you, Steve. It was a pleasure. All right. So the most important question and the hardest one is what three songs would you take on a journey okay, to Mars? Okay, so that's the first one. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it seems like it comes at the end, but actually it's our warm-up question. It's a warm -up question. And, and I'm not so. sure, it's supposed to relax us, but I think it probably does the opposite. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I have no idea. No, so I, I was talking about three songs. Uh, usually I associate songs to, to moments or you know something that kind yeah. of is, is worth remembering. So the first song I, I was thinking to bring with me in Mars is basically uh, another brick in the wall from Pink Floyd. It was like, uh, you know, the 90s and uh, it, it remembers me of some good time I had and a lot of things changing and uh, mm -hmm. so that's the first song. So what were you doing at that time in your life? Where were you? Uh, I was basically high school and high school and so a very energetic period, a lot of things happening and mm -hmm. uh, starting to travel to see the world and things like this. So it was a uh, it was a kind of a, the, the kind of song I associated with that period of my of my life. Yeah. Carefree part of your kind of <laughs> that was also part of these yeah. memories. <laughs> okay, so Pink Floyd. <laughs> this is the first one. The second one is uh, a beautiful day from U2. Uh, U2 is one of my favorite bands. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, amazing live. Have you seen them? Yeah. Live? Yeah. I see them last year in Rome. Oh, uh, wow. In the, it was a fantastic concert. So it was super cool. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of, you know, it's, and it was in the um, Olympic Stadium in, in Rome. So it was, uh, it was really fantastic, yeah, a super show. Yeah. And So Beautiful my, uh, Day is one of my favorite songs of, of the band. Uh -huh. yeah. And then I was thinking of, you know, since I'm Italian, I, you know, I cannot just bring with me, you know, English songs. So I need right. to come up with some 
Italian song. And then, and so the, the third song I, I will bring with me is uh, La Donna Cannone from Guccini, who's one of the most uh, popular uh, authors in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's like, an, you know, it's just about also Italian traditions and a bit of, of Italy as it used to be, especially in these days. <laughs> yeah. So whereabouts in Italy do you live? I live in the, actually I'm originally from Tuscany, from Pisa, although I moved to Trento since 15 years now. So mm-hmm. now currently I live in Trento, which is a very nice region in the very north of Italy. It's kind of a mountaineering region. Uh, it's a perfect spot, spot for uh, outdoors and for enjoying, you know, the, uh, the outdoor environment and sports and all these kind of activities. Yeah. Beautiful. Very good. Thanks very much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm. 